Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. Uh, This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. I'm so excited today, uh, as usual. I'm sure uh, those of you who listen, I'm always excited to uh, be on the air and share with you some of the great conversations that I've had with great leaders and researchers, uh, a number of people who have done keynotes uh, all over the world. And and today is no exception. I have um, two individuals that are just remarkable in the work that they're doing. And, um, and so to continue in the same spirit of the, the original uh, goal of the podcast is to share these conversations that I've had. And so today um, I have with me uh, someone I've known for a very long time and a former student and now colleague um, and uh, principal. Um, I have Dr. Dawn Brooks DaCosta and her fifth grade teacher in her school, um, uh, Miss Lucille Middleton of the Thurgood Marshall Academy Lower School. So um, welcome to both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So glad to have you. Today we're going to have just a a conversation about your students, and and I've seen uh, in a couple of places where your students have been engaged uh, also at your school at the elementary level um, about the the recent justice issues in our nation and and so your school I know is located in Harlem uh, it's called the Thurgood Marshall Academy I would make suggest a lot about what you do there but I'm gonna get you to tell us a little bit about it but um, what um, I'd like to recognize is that it was created in a collaboration um, between the Abyssinian Development Corporation, uh, New Visions for Public Schools, and the Department of Ed. Um, and so it is really a perfect example um, of how to bring uh, partners together in order to bring the world into the classroom. And so, um, Dawn, I, I can remember when you were a teacher um, pursuing your master's degree at Columbia with us. Um, and so we're just so proud of you um, and the work that you're doing. And you also, Lucy, uh, although uh, we haven't met, but um, I was just so proud to see the work that you're doing uh, to give young people the tools uh, that are necessary to help them find their voice. So thank you as well. Um, and, and to our faithful listeners, welcome back. And thank you for being a part of our a family of a, a few thousand listeners every month. And so if you're a new listener, uh, we're glad that you've joined us. So um, Dawn, I, I'd, I'd like to start by, if you could just tell me a little bit about how Thurgood Marshall Academy came to be and and how you ended up 
at the helm of this school. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Perkins. And I just want to say how honored we are to participate in your podcast and uh, feel so much pride that you uh, wanted us to share what we're doing at Thurgood Marshall. Um, Like you mentioned, our school was opened um, in collaboration with Abyssinian Development Corporation, Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, which people may know is a pillar um, of civil rights. And um, Calvin Butt, who is the pastor of church and the president of SUNY O. Westbury, had a vision of a corridor of learning where a family may be able to start in Head Start and go all the way to university with the same philosophy of cultural responsiveness and social justice, um, and certainly named after Thurgood Marshall, um, we want to live up to that mission of social justice. And um, I was teaching at the school. I taught at another school in Harlem. I absolutely love Harlem. I've been working in Harlem for 25 years. Um, Lucy and I actually taught together at another school before we both moved to Thurgood Marshall. Lucy came first, (laughs) and then I came after her. Um, And I taught there for a couple of years before I transitioned into um, the role of principal, um, which I never thought I would do. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would do it anywhere else except for Thurgood Marshall because I feel a part of such a strong village. Um, that awesome. it gives me great joy to work with them every day. Awesome, awesome, and and so uh, that that's awesome. And so um, I I know that um, the school, given the name Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. has a you you have uh, a real particular challenge of of with elementary school students uh, helping them to understand. Uh, social justice, and I know yeah. um, Lucy, you you've been you have over twenty years of teaching experience, and 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 now as a fifth grade teacher, um, how how do you find that in today's environment? Um, how challenging has it been uh, to help young children digest what's been going on in the country of, uh, that has really been. Uh, not that it ever stopped, but that it has been uh, forefront in the news media and and in everything that we're doing. Um, well, honestly, it wasn't so much of a challenge. It was me meeting the students where they were. They already had had a voice that they wanted to convey, but they just needed the right outlet and medium mm-hmm. in which to articulate their views on it. Um, surprisingly, we think that young people don't develop a voice until they reach middle school, high school. But now with the generations, the way they are, they're already coming into the environment with, this is what I feel, this is what I think, I have something to say, I want to be validated. So either you're going to embrace my voice or you're not. Um, And it just manifests in the culture that we have at Thurgood Marshall. We teach them that their feelings are valid, and we empower them to speak up um, from mm-hmm. kindergarten all the way up. In this particular group, um, I was able to just say, okay, here is the task. It started with a assignment where we had to write an opinion piece, and they were required to select a specific black liberation movement that was going on presently that they felt passionate about. And then mm-hmm. based on that conversation, then um, there was a small group that decided to tackle the 
George Floyd situation, and they were uh, continued, and by the current event, continuing to felt compelled to continue to manifest itself, um, and passion for it spilled over into their peers, um, parents sending you messages. So honestly, it was a privilege just to be able to create that forum where they can mm-hmm. just articulate and just implement, just teach them the skills, because I still had how to write an opinion piece, how to support this evidence, how to say something without just saying something without no breath to it, mm-hmm. putting their voice, conveying their feelings and their passion behind the topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty heavy, though. You know, you mm-hmm. with what's been happening at this age mm-hmm. level, what are some of the things that you that these children were saying? You said they already had voice, they already had an opinion. Uh, what, what kinds of things were you hearing from your students? Um, there was we had some discussions that came around. Um, based on we were being treated, and their response was no. You know why should the black community have to change? Why are they always subjected to making the changes and not necessarily the community at large making the change mm. and embracing them? Um, mm-hmm. Some others were, they um, had dialogue with regards to the conviction. Was it just enough for the officer to be convicted? And they adamantly expressed, it's great that he's convicted, but will that change society? Will that mm-hmm. make society a better place for them? They think that there should be more protesting going on, but at mm-hmm. their level. They were involved in the protesting. And wow. um, some of the others were, you know, they were, Steve was also there because they were also concerned. So, so Lucy, Lucy, let me let me just interrupt you for a second. Uh, you're, you're going out. I'm going to give you an opportunity to move somewhere, maybe closer to a window. I think you're dialing in from a cell. Um, and so you're you're breaking up um, quite a bit. And while you're moving, let me let me just transition to Dawn for a moment. Um, Dawn, you know, Lucy just mentioned about some of the the thoughts um, that the students have um, and have shared. Um, tell us a little bit first about um, the 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 background and the demographics of of the school. That might be also helpful to understand who we're talking about here, because um, I know sometimes um, people make assumptions about, um, you know, the when we talk about uh, the ability to articulate and and mm-hmm. defend, um, th- some assumptions gets made there. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the, the background? Yeah, so Thurgood Marshall, we're a small elementary school, kindergarten to fifth grade. And um, we are 100% black and brown students. Mm -hmm. Um, Our staff is predominantly of color. And um, but what people sometimes don't realize is that being of color is not a monolith. Mm -hmm. And there is great Mm -hmm. diversity that happens within communities of color. So we Mm -hmm. have parents that are from various countries in Africa. We have parents and families that are from many of the Latinx uh, countries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Haiti and Dominican Republic and Colombia and here in America. So there's so many from the South. um, 
there is a grand diversity even within color. Um, but I, I would agree with um, what Lucy has said about the students just needing a platform. And I think that the reason we didn't have that much difficulty with getting them to voice was because this is part of the mission of our school. So we've sort of prepared for this moment. You know, we've been teaching about social justice and civil rights um, throughout history up until now and comparing, like she was saying, black liberation movements now and, and the past. And this is part of our regular curriculum. So what mm -hmm. we feel is that now we just have this opportune moment where we are living history and mm -hmm. we want to seize the opportunity for students to experience a living history right now and to be able to feel like they're a part of that. And so well before um, Lucy did that last lesson with her students um, who were examining the conviction, mm -hmm. they had from the beginning of the pandemic first expressed their outrage at the murder of George Floyd. And we kind oh. of had that happen school-wide. And so we're talking about from kindergarten up to the fifth grade, we were doing lessons on a race, on oppression, on anti-racism, and we provided a, a platform on um, on on a, a system called Flipgrid that Lucy uses often where people can record a video and just express their thoughts. And so we mm -hmm. were doing that from the beginning as a way to process the trauma that we were all feeling. And mm -hmm. we wanted to be able to get that out and support each other as a community. So they've sort of been doing this throughout this racial unrest. So starting with the murder of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Lucy students have been writing about that. They've been writing about the Me Too movement. Our second graders have been writing about race. They've been writing about whether they think Juneteenth should be celebrated. And mm, so this Second graders, huh? Second grade. And I will <laughs> wow. say that it takes a level of bravery mm -hmm. for teachers to engage in this conversation because it is also painful for us. Yes. So it's a conversation where we're also experiencing pain, but also trying to give a voice at the same time. Um, and so Lucy's been doing this throughout. They even did something where they responded to the Capitol riots. Everything that has been happening, we've been using as a learning opportunity. Awesome, awesome. Uh, for those of you who had just joined us, I have um, two educators, uh, outstanding educators who are um, on the uh, faculty and staff at the Thurgood Marshall Academy Lower School um, located in Harlem, New York City. And they're here talking about um, the the lessons of social justice and uh, and and the relevance of of what's going on in the world right into their classrooms. So if you'd like to um, make a comment or ask a question, please feel free to dial in at 657-383-1481, 657-383-1481. Um, you know, I, um, I had a earlier um, broadcast um, back last May and June, and I had a number of young people on the show that talked about how they were feeling about things. And, and, and so these were high school students. And I just mm -hmm. think it's really, you know, I, I did have some elementary students on talking about um, COVID, 
but but mm-hmm. not the not the racial unrest that had been happening. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just blown away that um, you have been courageous enough to mm-hmm. bring this in front of of second graders um, mm-hmm. and and have them explore the topics. So tell me how how do you introduce this to your parents? Because see, I know that mm-hmm. there are people out there, and I've worked with mm-hmm. a number of school districts that have had issues around this. But um, mm-hmm. how how do you how did you engage parents to let them know that you were you were going down this path? Because these are some pretty heavy topics. Um, to, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about eight year olds, nine year olds to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did you, how did you uh, introduce it to the parents? Well, um, I know, that Lu- oh, go ahead, Lucy, because I know that Lucy communicates um, before she teaches a lesson with her parents. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. As I was introducing the unit, I always message my parents and let them know these are the topics that we're going to cover. And I explain the intent and the direction. And I also mm-hmm. give them the choice if they feel that the topic is too heavy um, to have these dialogues before just to get a sense of where their child level in the dialogue is as well as their comfort level. And mm-hmm. once I get the feedback from the parents, I invite them. They can sit on the call because we do the virtual calls. They can mm-hmm. sit in and listen and be a part. So we always try to make sure that they their input is first. And then, so this way, they were, and then we just support that conversation. Mm-hmm. 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 I know that we're always sharing, too, like the way that we share what we're doing and we're able to share that um, on the wider scale on social media. We're always sharing with our families. And we've, you know, during this pandemic, we've learned so many things about technology sure. that we've actually been able to share with them so much more through some of these um technological tools and videos and chats and and so many things that we can now do that we've learned that we'll now forever do because Mm -hmm. it's just been so Mm -hmm. great to communicate and keep people in the loop. But we are always communicating with families about who we are and what we represent. And we feel as educators that it is our job to educate And if you look at what's happening in the world, all of the misinformation that people are getting that is is impacting this ignorance, the fear, the hate, um, this this racial violence, um, it it all really comes from fear and a lack of awareness. People lack the information. They don't know people of color. They, They are misinformed about who we are. And I think that it's so important as educators that we teach. This is our yes. job. Um, yes. And we see ourselves as activists. It, I think that education is the highest form of activism mm-hmm. because we are shaping the future and we are preparing students and arming them with the truth and with their history so that they can make a change, you know? Absolutely. And I now I have a, a caller that I'm going to invite on, uh, 929 Area Code. Caller, are you there? Hi, my name is Damaris. I'm actually a T-Mall's parent. Um, and I just want to say that um, I'm, I'm proud of the platform that they have to be able to discuss racial injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I didn't get that when I was growing up. I was a, a, a child who was raised in the Department of Education, but also was more like, um, it, we don't discuss those type of things at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I grew older, I had my um, I had my own opinions, my own. And as I became a parent, I didn't want to put those thoughts and opinions on my children. I wanted them to mm-hmm. grow with their own. Um, mm-hmm. And I have two children there who one of them is on the spectrum of autism. And I really didn't know how to have these different conversations. Sure. And there would Marshall Academy. Um, all the staff and the different platforms that they've had has allowed my son to flourish and open up and actually um, be okay in in voicing his concerns and his thoughts and not be judged. Sure. Thank you. Thank you uh, for sharing that. You know, what's interesting Mm -hmm. is that um, I have, uh, I I had some personal experience with that um, years ago um, I had a group of parents respond to a a survey, and this was in the South. Um, a school district in the South decided to use my uh, uh, one of my research tools, uh, and it just asked a few questions about race and and students' opinions about race. And I never will forget that the the parents did this protest in front of the school. Um, because they had learned about the, the, some of the content of the survey, asking questions like um, that they, they felt that uh, some groups of students um, were treated differently because of their race. Well, um, oh. the, parents, the parents didn't want, and these were middle school kids, I'll never forget oh. this, that they, the parents thought that the school shouldn't be engaged in that kind of discourse with Mm. the kids and that Mm -hmm. they, and that they were introducing their children to racism. And I'm Mm. talking about as late as sixth, seventh and eighth grade. That's the way some of the parents were. So it was, it's definitely refreshing to hear one of your parents call in and say that, that she, she wants, she wanted that for her children. And I know certainly we didn't, we didn't discuss much of that where I grew up and and uh, the schools that I went to, uh, even in high school, not to mention elementary school, just didn't happen. Um, so yeah. have you have you had it doesn't sound like you've had much resistance from your community because the community that you serve has been um, uh, this has been articulated as something uh, that they wanted the school to have focus on. Um, what about outside? Have you received criticism or some concern from others about um, doing this kind of work with children so young? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know what, what Lucy has experienced, but I have, I have definitely, you just as to, you know, other people and educators about, the work that I do at Thurgood Marshall, overwhelmingly people are supportive, um, but occasionally I do get um, um, criticism in terms of why do you why do you talk about race? Why is mm-hmm. it important to talk about race? Um, there was one time when I was talking about how race is a social construct and how it is something that was created for whatever reason, um, but that actually biologically we are not different. Um, mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. we deal with racism, so we have to acknowledge it, even though it is a social construct, 
And so I'll get that feedback. Well, then why talk about it if it's not if we're not biologically different? The truth is that we we may not be, but we experience it. We have we experience everything that comes with that and people's perceptions about us. Um, so I would say that I definitely get it more from outside of the school than I get within. I feel very supported um, within the school, and and we do consider ourselves a village. The parents, the teachers, the kids. Um, and so it is a blessing because I do know that there are school communities that oppose this work Absolutely. Um, and that, that are afraid of it. And they think that teaching kids about systemic racism is going to um, make people feel guilty or make them feel as if we're saying a group is racist. And really mm-hmm. what we just change mm-hmm. and we want to teach people, uh, we want to teach our children um, the truth. So that they can make the changes that are needed. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're just trying to arm them with the truth. And we're always nurturing and loving because I think that has to come with this conversation. It sure. can't just be about race without the social, emotional, without the nurturing and the caring because this is mm-hmm. a hard conversation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Lucy, what about you? What have you encountered? Um, well, the conversation generally when I'm talking to um, different groups that I belong to is, are you sure they're ready for that conversation? Uh-huh, you know, are they uh-huh. at that maturity level? So it's it's oftentimes I say, you know, we assume that this generation of students is out there, they don't care, but really they they really do care, and they want the opportunity to have their voice heard. You know, mm-hmm. some people think children should be quiet and not, you know, should be seen but not heard. But mm-hmm. we have to change that way of thinking. And that's what I always say to anyone who says, you know, I just don't think that at that level they should be exposed to that. And I said, mm-hmm. why not? You know, they're exposed to everything else on all the social media platforms. So that's why right. not do something positive and allow them to really come back with something fruitful? Um, Absolutely. And then I also immerse them in the text. So the different genres that we read in the classroom, you know, it's about characters and situations and scenarios that they walk into daily, um, Mm -hmm. where it is a conversation about not only race, but um, economics. They have those types of dialogues where, you know, just because I live in this community, you know, makes me a little bit different than if I lived in that community. So their dialogue, their conversation is is more fruitful in a sense of, you know, they're not taking the general education anymore. They want quality education. They want mm-hmm. education that they can walk into any arena with mm-hmm. adults, with their peers, with teenagers, and just voice their opinions and have merit to it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And that that it's not just emotion, right? It's they have the yeah. facts, the figures, they can talk about it. Um, I yeah. think that's great. And and something you said, Dawn, really resonated with me is that you want mm-hmm. to arm them with the truth. Um, you want that's them right. to know. And I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I think done responsibly, I think you're doing them a great service to let yeah. them know early what they are, are going to face. And and where and where those issues lie, um, I think that's um, very important. Have another caller from two one two area code. Caller, you there? Hello, caller two one two area code. Hello, 
Okay, I think we, we uh, lost that person, but uh, maybe they'll call back. Um, and so I, I know I, we only have a couple more minutes, but I do want to see if we can get in there so much. I told you it was going to go fast, and, um, yes. but, but the, um, I, I want to hear, you know, I, I'm sure that it takes a special teacher to be at your school. And, and Lucy, I, I just can't commend you enough for what I saw posted online about your the lesson you did around uh, the George Floyd murder trial. Um, I couldn't, I just can't say enough about that, that I thought it was so um, well considered and, and it was just thoughtful. Um, and so just, just major kudos to you. And, and um, so what is it, how do you prepare your, your, your faculty um, when they, when they join the, the ranks, they join your family? Um, what is it that you do to prepare them uh, to be ready to have these conversations with these children? I think that what, what we've been doing, which is so important, is having the teachers that are there serve as really as mentors and lab sites for our new teachers to visit and see. Um, we use the work of Dr. Goldie Muhammad to frame some of our lessons, and so we give teachers mm-hmm. a framework of how to write a culturally responsive lesson, and we have a culturally responsive lead teacher, Miss um, Ward, that they can go see, and she gives them resources. Um, when we bring people on, we tell them this is what we do. And so if you want to be a part of this school family, this is this is part of our curriculum. This is part mm-hmm. of what we do. And so some people, you know, come and they, they think they can do it and they can't, you know, and mm-hmm. some people sure. hang in there, you know, and they do it. But I think what's really important, too, um, like what Lucy was saying, is that you do what's developmentally appropriate for the age of the child. And so mm-hmm. what Lucy is doing would look different on kindergarten. It would look different on first grade. But we're all having those same discussions, um, whether for the younger ones, it's more about loving yourself and loving the skin that you're in. You Absolutely. Know? And so Absolutely. As, as you get older, it gets deeper, and we're able to grow with the kids and build. But the, have the, the right staff is absolutely every, not That's the curriculum. Awesome. Right. It's the staff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I, I do recognize um, that that's very, very important. I know we, we're we're going over just a little bit, and I just, um, yeah. this is such a great topic, and I, the, the switchboard is, is, is just completely lit up. And so I do want to try to get, um, I want to try to get a couple other people in, um, but I, um, you know, I apologize that we, we won't have time to, to get um, everybody in, and And so, but it's just been great um, talking to um, both of you. And I, I, the other thing is, is you're right in Harlem. Um, So Dawn, after all these years, I have not been to your school, but I'm going to make a point this year to, to come to your school. And so that I can see firsthand what it is and, and the great work that you're doing. So I I appreciate, I appreciate you. You have an open invitation, Dr. Perkins. Well, I, I will definitely be there. Um, and so um, uh, for those of you who are interested next week, um, we have on Wednesday, May 26th at noon, we're going to have kind of a, another lunchtime broadcast. We're going to have Professor Tom Hatch, who's going to uh, talk about his latest book, uh, The Education We Need for a Future We Can't Predict. Brand new, hot off the presses. 
um, talk about powerful learning experiences, um, so many things that um, um, we need to consider. And just like what they're doing at um, uh, Thurgood Marshall, the, the way that you are encouraging critical thinking, um, articulation, um, and so you're doing so many great things. So um, Dawn and Lucy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Um, and for those of you next, next time, uh, go well and stay well. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you. you.